0: Down, make sure your cinch is tight. Horse is kind of snuffy, cold chill up your spine. He'll get your ass moving somewhere. Burning daylight. Howdy there, I'm Matt McKinley, and we're
1: burning daylight.
0: daylight. In the summertime, the the job's done
1: welcome to burning daylight the only podcast for the working cowboy welcome back daylight burners um got lost cowboy himself back uh, again to shoot the shit mr Jake Zilke. he's uh he's in Wyoming this time so we're uh i think we got him at home and uh uh between the between the jet set and uh Gathering stories to write a book. Now he's been, uh, seems like he's been hopping all over the Western United States, uh, filming people singing songs out in the middle of nowhere. And seems like that's pretty been a pretty cool trip, too.
2: Yeah, that's right. That kind of, uh, when I had a lot more international travel planned, um, and then COVID happened and shut that all down. And so I just, I had to figure out something, uh, something else to do to keep me from losing my mind so i just worked on the ranch quite a bit a couple of different ranches but then uh i had this idea that I, I just thought the all these kind of cowboy musicians and you know people that do it now for a living or people that did at one point i thought they were really up uh under represented um mm. as far as music stuff goes because i had so many friends that were they're too busy working every day to, you know, be marketing themselves as musicians. And so, I thought it'd be pretty cool to go just start collecting cowboy songs and people in that way of life.
1: Heck yeah! <clears throat> put a CD together someday, just all yeah, the, all the cool stuff that you've. Uh... Oh, which, I mean, like, I mean, like, people still do listen to CDs from time to time. But you know, like, yeah, put out an album uh however and and uh that'd be pretty that'd be pretty cool
2: yeah it dang sure would be that 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 could happen for sure
1: that's that's awesome yeah i saw that you uh you went and saw calamity cast and record that i didn't realize that she played and sang till just um just the other day and man she has got a great voice
2: she does and that and that's kind of what i am looking for is you know she's a she's ranching every day and she's the real deal. And, you know, music is just kind of a, a, a passion, side passion for her. And yeah. those are the kind of people I love to find and, you know, get, get some footage of because otherwise that that may never happen.
1: Yeah. That's kind of the, the same thought I had with this, this podcast is like, talk to some of these guys that, that, uh you know, like we, we've, we've heard the stories, you know, sitting around the, the cooler after a Brandon or, you know, uh, sitting around the trailers at a rodeo or whatever just shooting stories. And, you know, like, you know, some some of the old guys will come through and tell you some just awesome, just wicked cool stories that, uh, from, from when they were young. And I'm uh, just like, man, I, you know, we should record those. And, uh, yeah. and I've, I've been able to do, I've been able to capture a lot of really cool old cowboy conversations on on here that I don't I don't think other ever ever would have been recorded had I not done it, you know.
2: Yeah, you bet. And that that kind of stuff is invaluable really, especially yeah. those old-timers' stories, you know, like they if they're not documented now, they you know, you may tell their story a few times, but eventually it might die out. So I think it's a it's a pretty cool way to preserve that. Uh, the I culture. I know
1: I I look back at you know, like we pointed him north and, you know, some lady took the time to go find Teddy Blue Abbott and just uh or I think it was a, was a lady that wrote or was a, it was a I think it was a lady, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. <clears throat> um, but she spent all that time with him and just wrote and wrote and wrote because that was the technology of the time. And uh yeah, just we've got so much cool technology right at our fingertips that uh I the use it for whatever way we can to to preserve some of that stuff you know
2: that's right i agree however whatever medium you have to do it i think it's worth doing
1: i i think it's it's and the good and the bad of the internet is just like once it's up there it's up there like it's out it's out into the world and like you can't ever really properly like shut it down like there is somewhere out there it's, (laughs) it's 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 there and you're And that, I mean, like for good or or for bad or for worse, uh, it just, it's out, it's always out there. And if somebody tries hard enough, they can find it. And that, that's also cool because there's how much, how much stuff has just been lost to, to time that, you know, that we don't even know. That's right.
2: Yeah. You, you never know that really I, I didn't, this wasn't my plan when I started doing this, but I've had multiple people say since then, they're like, man, this is a lot like lo- what Lomax did back in the day, where he rode rode around all these cow camps, and all he did was listen to these cowboy songs, and he didn't record them, obviously, because it was 150 years ago. But he wrote them down, and so a lot yeah. of these songs, Man in the Continental Suit," and you know all, all these like old cowboy songs that we have now. The only reason they're still around is because lomax went out and rode around to cow camps and just collected songs from these people wrote them down and they've changed over time and there's different you know people sing them a little different here and there but um it's somewhat similar to what i'm i'm doing a, a lot of the people i shoot videos with they ha- they do end up going and putting out an album or something but somebody like uh Cass she may never do that so yeah. some of the songs that she had uh, they could go. You know, who knows if they'd ever be recorded anywhere.
1: I um, I know. Well, I I uh I got her convinced to come to Elko and play uh, on my show. So at least oh, we got good. we got that, and we got your video. So if nothing else, we'll 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 have a little bit on you know recorded that that people can see. <laughs> so I'm I'm really looking forward to that. I uh <laughs> like I said, I didn't know she played until just the other day, and then she started posting. Song uh, videos of herself playing and uh, man, she's got a great voice.
2: Yeah, I heard uh, the way I found out is from guys that or people in general that had worked with her or done, you know, they'd been around her enough to know that around the campfire she could dance, her pick her on the guitar and sing some songs, mm. but it wasn't you know out there for the public. So I've been I've been trying to track her down for months now, and it finally worked out when we were in. Uh, we we both were in Cody, Wyoming for the Fourth of July, and so oh, nice. we met up and did it there.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I've I've not met her in person yet, but she's uh, she's a cool chick. I like her.
2: She she's a she's she's a good one. She's wild. Yeah, good time
1: That's that's what I hear. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to having her play at the So that that yeah, that stuff like that's really cool. Because like like I said, there's she's too busy ranching to, to you know, cowboying to, to go to town and record anything or play a show or whatnot. And, and right. uh, yeah, so that, that's interesting. And I, it's funny, we kind of got the same, I feel like we're, we're cut from the same cloth because I've got the same idea with podcasting. It's just like, go, go day work with these guys for, for a weekend or whatever. And then, you know, the bunkhouse or the teepee or whatever, you know, set up, set up the mics and shoot the shit and record a show and
2: yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, like truly, uh, you know, capture the the working cowboy lifestyle. And cause I, I think it is neater than hell. Uh, I've been around, you know, I've been around a little bit at this point and that I've seen quite a lot of stuff and there's still, there's still nothing like, like cowboying for a living. Like that's, that's one of the coolest Coolest things I've ever come across.
2: Right. I agree. And there there's other guys that I do stuff with like uh Kellen Smith would be a good example of that. That Kellen has his music's on Spotify. He's mm-hmm. professionally recorded some stuff and and a lot of people like it. It's been growing fast. And um but with somebody like Kellen, I mean Kellen is still ranching every day and it's it's hard for him to get away to play shows. He does, but You know, it takes a lot of his wife has to help out a lot and pick Mm -hmm. up the slack. And so uh, with him, it's not like I was putting anything out there that uh, that people couldn't find somewhere else if they really wanted to find it. But what I try to do with people like that is uh, put them in a setting. You know, for example, the stuff I shot with Kellen was on his ranch. He's forget what he is. Fifth, sixth generation on that place. It's got an amazing history. Um, he's up in Montana, Montana so, right? He's in Gillette, right Right oh, okay. up in the north, northeast corner of Wyoming. Okay, but, okay. But he, uh, I th- I think a lot of people also enjoy, you know, even artists that they know, it's cool to see them, you know, not on stage with all the lighting and sound guys and all that stuff. This is just them sitting there with an acoustic guitar playing mm-hmm. what they'd play around a campfire or after Brandon or where, wherever it may be, you get a lot more raw version of them. So I, that's that's the other cool part of it. It's not always finding people that uh, people don't know about. Some of it is just kind of exposing already existing artists and showing people this is, this is where they live, this is what they do for a living, and yeah. this is a barn that his grandfather built. And it's still standing, and he's going to sit in here and play a song. So that's pretty cool too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I uh I I th- I think that's uh that's really cool too. I mean, like it's 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 neat when you like cuz sometimes these these musicians are just just that. They're musicians and nothing else and they don't they don't have much experience of life outside of just playing music. But like um when say like Core Blonde is a really interesting person. Like I don't know how much of a cowboy he is, but he's been around it enough that he knows what's going on. And mm-hmm. I don't, I got, I don't know how how good of a hand he is, but I, I know he knows what the lifestyle is all about. Uh, right. But, but that guy is just an interesting cat. He knows a lot of shit. He's funny, and he like he's got some some really cool stories. And I when I I got to talk to him up here on my show, it was like it was just really it was just an hour of Corb that a lot of people had never heard, and uh, and it was really it was really cool.
2: Right. I agree. Getting to see the, the other side of uh musicians that people don't really see. And Corbett's he yeah, he's done a lot of cool stuff getting back. I I think I heard the story of him writing that uh I can't remember which song he wrote, but he was Ninety Seconds was of your packing.
1: Time.
2: Yeah, that one. Yeah. I I saw a video of that and I thought, man, that's what a crazy story.
1: Yeah. I he's he said it was the first time he he'd told it publicly on my show but I don't know how much I believe that. I think he might have been schmoozing me. I think he might have been showmaning me, but um he he probably told it before that. But either way, I he yeah, he told it told it on the show and it was uh it's a that's a really really cool story, you know, like uh even if he embellished it a little bit, like it, that's a that's a hell of a story and it it's worth worth writing a song over, you know.
2: Yeah, I agree. And that's the You know, that's the thing about songs is I think a lot of times you can, the public can tell whether or not Mm -hmm. this person has lived this life or if that song was written for them or if that's something that they got the idea off Yellowstone or they're writing it just because cowboys are cool right now. I mean, there's a lot of that crap out there and it, it, I mean, it doesn't, it's not very hard to filter through it and see who's the real deal and
1: who's not right. Uh, and that's, I mean, and it's, it's been like that for a while too, you know, like there there was a reason Chris Ledoux was so popular among, you know, the rodeo crowd and, and, and the cowboy crowd, same way with, uh, with Ian Tyson and Dave Stamey. Like there's, you know, you don't hear much of, of those, like Ian Tyson was, he, he kind of transcended just playing cowboy music a little bit more than, but Dave Stamey, you don't, you don't hear about him outside of the, just, like the working cowboy world you know he's right, uh, exactly like he he's a niche but like and, and i've heard guys say he's not much of a hand at all but he's at least been out there and done it you know and uh so like that's what makes his songs so much better
2: right and i think a lot of the stuff that he writes too as far as i know has a lot of historical relevance you can tell that yeah even if he wasn't there a lot of the stuff he writes about historical events or you know whatever maybe they're mm-hmm. fictional characters but a lot of it is true and there was a lot of time put into you know making sure that that made sense of all the facts and it were true
1: oh he's a hell of a songwriter i'm gonna be talking to him later this week uh, on the show so i'm looking forward to to picking his brain on on writing some like because it he's got a it's like called montana homestead um 1873 or something along those lines i can't remember the exact name of the song but that whole album's a bunch of kind of historical songs and uh i'm i'm a history nerd so like that that shit's right up my alley yeah
2: i agree i think that's sweet he's a guy that i've that i've still yet to track down and shoot a video with but it's a bucket list item all
1: right well i'll uh I don't know if I'm supposed to, but I think you, I think you, you should go find him and I'll, I'll, I'll forward a number along for you.
0: Uh, oh, no, I sweet. I normally
1: don't do that, but I think, I think he's a good fit. It'd be worth, be worth it. And uh, yeah, he, he'd be a, he'd be a cool one. I I'm looking forward to talking to him. I, i met him in Elko this past year, just very briefly spoke with him and uh, <laughs> I'm still trying to get rambling Jack on the show too. And, like that—that's time's running short, you know. He's—he's he's an old man, so it's right. Uh, I'm trying to get that done, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I can. Like, that guy's another one where he's just—he's like a Forrest Gump character, where he's just seen everything, <laughs> you know?
2: Yeah, he's been everywhere, done everything.
1: Yeah, like him, Boots O'Neill's is kind of the same way, you know. Like he's—you think of him just as a, like a, a Texas rancher, um, and he is, but that guy's been been a lot of different places and uh yeah so i I don't know it's uh guys like that i think are it's important to get get their their thoughts and stories down on record just because they're maybe maybe the overall historical perspective might they they might get lost in all that but i i think they're they're important characters you know just kind of minor i guess you'd call them minor characters throughout throughout history but i i think i think guys like Ramlin jack and boots and 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 you know like tom morehouse and some of these other lynn babb and all some of these other characters throughout the cowboy world i i think i think get them on you know get some of those stories on on record it's just i think it's important for for history just like that that's how that's how you preserve what how cool it is to to go work a horseback all day every day, you know.
2: That's right. Have you had uh have you had Gail on your show? Gail. Gail Steger?
1: No, I haven't.
2: Oh man, that guy uh I just met him once in Elko a few years ago, but he uh he told me some really cool stories just in that we I think we might have had supper together or maybe had a couple beers in Elko and he uh, is. I don't know if he still does, but when when I was talking to him, he was running a cow camp down on the on the Spider. Oh, at uh, down in I think that's Arizona. And his his grandpa actually wrote that song "Tying Knots in the Devil's Tail."
1: Oh no shit.
2: So yeah, so he um, Gail is. I don't want to speak for him because this is just from the one interaction we had, but. He's got a really cool story, and he's a he's a musician, but also uh, he made a. I guarantee you've seen this movie. Uh, there was a there was a documentary made. I w- I think I want to say back in the late '80s about mm-hmm. the Spider Ranch, and gosh, I can't remember the name of that. But Gale made that film actually. Oh, okay. It, and it's really cool. It's like an hour long, and it's pretty low budget but he's like he documents a year of living on these really remote cow camps out there in the middle of nowhere Uh, yeah but anyways cool guy if uh if you're looking for somebody to get on here he's one of those old old cowboys with a lot of really cool stories
1: hell yeah i'm i'm always open for that i i don't know about you but when i was in in college and and it just it kind of still ends up that way today but i would always when we go out to the bar with all, with all the the buddies, uh, I would typically end up at the end of the bar talking to some old guy uh, at the end sure. of the night, you know, cause like that, that's how I've always like, I've always kind of gravitated to, to just bullshitting with the old fucks, you know, cause they got, they've got better stories than, than I had at the time. You know, I had some, some crazy stories, but, then that you know you get to talking to them you're like oh yeah i you know i grew out of that back you know 30 years ago but here's here's <laughs> something that happened you know and just, you know i just i've always uh i've always enjoyed uh talking with the guys that are older than me and and uh <clears throat> yeah so i'm like i'm i'm always ready to roll on if somebody's got a you know got a suggestion like that like yeah shit, yeah like, let's get in let's get in touch let's do this thing
2: yeah, he's that uh, you can you can learn a whole lot if you just sit around and listen to those old timers talk.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think uh I think Boots was a little annoyed with me uh, initially, but I just kept calling him every week uh, every Sunday and uh, <laughs> and now like we're kind of buddies and but I he's told stories on my show that I know he hadn't told anywhere else or you hadn't been recorded anywhere else, but it took me like the first two or three times to get past like his kind of stock standard stories that he's told everybody, you know, like when he's, when he's doing events or whatever. And, uh, right. but then like, uh, talking to him about when he went over to, got drafted and went over to Korea and, and how, how that all, that, that whole time period of his life, the only, only time in his life where he wasn't working a horseback was, was when he was in Korea in the, in the army. And <laughs> yeah, I, just, I, I got some really, really cool stories that he told me uh and uh yeah and if i wouldn't uh if i would have stopped calling him i would have never got those you know
2: <laughs> that's right you gotta you gotta be persistent sometimes with that stuff mm-hmm.
1: and yeah some guys are, are, are more than willing to talk all the time you know they'll uh they'll be they, they'll become your buddy real quick but there, the other guys you kind of got to just like drag a story out of them and uh <laughs> right and Boots is kinda of that way sometimes. Like he's uh, uh he's just an old cowboy though, you know, just he's he's not used to being around talking to anybody but other cowboys, so it's uh Yeah and
2: some of those old guys they're they're just very uh kind of stoic and you know, they're mm-hmm. not they're not super outgoing people that are that they want everybody to know their story. Now if you are uh, you know genuinely interested they might be willing to tell you some stories but I, you know some people are happy to tell you their stories but i i feel like a lot of those guys are you you gotta kind of work with them to get it out of them
1: yeah i've uh and then there's yeah you've got to be persistent on some of them and sometimes like you got to just stop asking because it's not going to happen you know and uh and you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to piss a guy off and uh but yeah, I don't know. It's it's a kind of a fine line. You gotta you gotta kind of drag it out of them because you know it's a great story. You've heard you've heard it before, so you you just want to just want to hear it. So everybody everybody else gets the pleasure of hearing something cool. And uh, yeah, they're they're pretty reluctant sometimes, but that I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, it's uh you know the the guy that that typically in a, in a crew that talks uh the least probably knows the most, you know, or, or they're brand new, like outside of the brand new guy, the guy that talks the least probably knows a, a whole lot.
2: I agree. Couldn't agree more with that.
1: Yeah. And, and, but then there's also some, some sure enough hands that just don't ever shut the fuck up either. So it's uh you got, <laughs> you got the opposite end of the spectrum, but, um, but yeah, like there's, I don't know. It just like, there's, a, there's a lot of wisdom in those guys that don't talk a whole lot. Yeah, I,
2: I agree. And it and it almost means more when when you can Yeah. You know, it's j it's just like uh, you know, soft spoken people. Um well either either you get steamrolled or if you're if you're somebody that people want to hear what you have to say, you don't need to speak up to say it. Everybody will get quieter to hear what you have to say because what you have to say is important and I think the same is true when you say less and uh when you finally do pipe up, people are sitting there ready to listen because they want to, want to see what you've got stored up in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's uh there's definitely a, you know, a lot of those guys where it's just like, just, you know, if he, if he speaks up, make sure you're listening. Cause that guy don't, I don't know, That guy don't talk a whole lot. So that's <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. And it, there's, there's also times where uh, there's been a guy that, you know, I thought he was one of those maybe he like he was a pretty good hand, but maybe he was just a little bit wiser. But then uh then he spoke up and he had like a real high pitched voice and it was like it was not a it was not a flattering voice and I'm like, Ah, I get why he don't talk much. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Poor bugger. <laughs> yeah, it's like
1: that, that's unfortunate, you know. Like you ever look at somebody and you just go like oh, that that is really unfortunate, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> there was a, I was in Memphis for this this past week and uh I was at Freedom Fest. It was like a libertarian conservative type convention. I went with with my dad and one of my older sisters. Memphis is a cool town. Have you ever you ever been?
2: I've never been that far. Well, no. I don't, no, I don't think I've ever been to that part of Tennessee.
1: Uh memphis is a fun time like it's uh i don't know what the percentage wise is but it's one of the blackest cities in america and it's like, like right on the on the mississippi river so there's like there's a lot of good seafood and and blues music and and uh it is hot and muggy but man it's uh the people are fucking cool i i really i really enjoyed memphis but uh <laughs> I forget forget where i was going with that point but um my my favorite band in the world is from Memphis, Lucero. Ah, uh, Lucero's a good. They're good shit. I like Lucero. Yeah, well, that, I'm, I'm pretty sure all this um, we went off uh, on a tangent.
2: Uh, un, unfortunate.
1: Uh Oh, oh, right. Yeah. So, i was at Freedom Fest? I uh, sorry I don't want to uh, before I lose it again, but there was this little fella uh, I mean, he was, I don't know how old he was, but he looked like he looked like he was in his like mid 60s and he looked just kind of like a garden gnome. He was probably three and a half foot tall and uh, he had a, he had a, like a wood cane, long beard and um, he had something weird with his feet, too. Like one of his one of his feet was really big compared to the rest of him. And I and, and just look at him and just like. Seemed like he was a cool guy. There was people talking to him all the time. I didn't know. I didn't stop and visit with him, but mostly cuz I just I didn't trust myself to not say something really stupid, you know. I got <laughs> I wanted I wanted to I wanted to talk to the guy, but also I didn't want to offend him and I was like there's probably a good chance I'll just say something that backhanded that I didn't mean in that way, but they take it wrong and uh so I just <laughs> I, I didn't I avoided him, but I just I looked at I was like that that is unfortunate, you know, like especially if he's a he's a cool guy. You're just like, man, that is really unfortunate. But also maybe if he was better, you know, built normal, he he might be a douchebag. You never know. Maybe maybe he's a he's a cool guy because of having an unfortunate life, you know.
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly right. A lot of, a lot of times the things that make people the most, you know, unique is is uh, the rougher things that have happened to them.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's wild. But he, uh, like I said, he he was always talking to somebody when I saw him. But um, so he seemed like he he must have been a pretty pretty nice dude. But he's running at, for
2: president this next election.
1: Yeah, I'd vote for him. <laughs> I'd vote for him. because uh, I mean, there's a there's a there's a non-zero chance that he could use his cane to to summon some sort of magic spell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Worth a vote in my book. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He uh no, I I just uh it was one like just like I wanted I had a lot of questions, like I said, but I I didn't wanna I really just didn't want to offend the guy, so I just let it be. And I was like, But there I don't know what what all he had going on, but it was not anything that I had seen before, you know, and it's like yeah, yeah, just don't 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 even Broach the topic. We'll just keep moving. <laughs> That's right.
2: Well, you probably walk past a thousand people at that deal that you'll never think of again, and you'll dang sure remember that guy.
1: Oh, I'll always remember that guy. I sent my wife a picture and said I thought about asking him to live in your garden.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I don't know. It's it's bad. It's bad. Like I said, I'm. I think he was probably a really nice guy, and I feel feel bad, but I can't not say it you know it's funny comedy's comedy <laughs> man <laughs>
2: that's right
1: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah Memphis Memphis is a good time i we got to uh, we got to experience um some of the some of the touristy part, but we also got to kind of walk around and you know just down the downtown area and got to- you know see a pretty good chunk of Memphis and it was it was cool i uh I don't care for cities too much but I like I like to go visit and then uh about a week there I was there yeah just just shy of a week and it was it was getting time to to get on up out of there you know I was getting a little claustrophobic
2: Yeah I I'm the same way I don't I don't like being in cities at all but I do if you can spend a few days there it is interesting to see cuz cities have an entire each one has an entire culture of their own that Mm. you know and and history I, I remember thinking that when i was in mexico city i mean I, I hated being there i don't know how there's like 50 million people or something in mexico That's city the biggest
1: city on earth isn't it
2: yeah yeah and it's it is huge and uh it's actually built if i remember right it's actually built on on a dried up lake bed so it's oh, really? entirely possible that that could it's a it's a Worry that they have that that lake could refill and it would just oh, swamp geez. the city, but uh huh. being there I mean that that city is basically built on top of uh like what's it aztec aztec ruins, yeah, or Mayan is it the Mayans or the Aztecs but uh anyway, I think
1: the Mayans are a little farther south, I think it's aztecs that are that were there in the Mexican like in the peninsula area where in uh yeah, and then, that's probably uh, right think so and then uh i think the mayans were further south maybe
2: yeah incas were in
1: peru right
2: yeah the incas were and a lot of the peruvian population is still has like very strong incan blood in them really Uh, yeah that's that's why a a lot of the peruvians that i've worked with um they they look very native you know they got Mm -hmm. very prominent cheekbones and stuff and they were telling me that i, I forget what it is it's like 80 or 90 percent of the country has a large amount of Incan blood in them
1: hmm i uh yeah because mexico they're like there's there's pockets where it's, it's a lot of native uh majority native blood but for the most part they're They're pretty intermingled with, uh, with the Spaniards and, and, uh, you know, and the natives, like they're, they're kind of a distinct, uh, um, you know, kind of half breed, I guess, uh, essentially. Yep. Yep, They're,
2: they're, they're, they're their own melting pot of a different concoction Mm -hmm. down there. I ran into, I just shot a video with a guy, well, it's probably been a couple months ago now, but his name is Nick Garza and Mm -hmm. Nick, uh, is from Texas. And he is a thirteenth generation Texan, and he actually has the paperwork that when of I, I don't know what the ships were called, but they were basically the Spanish version of the Mayflower. Oh, and okay. His his family actually came over and settled Mexico, and uh, and they fought at the Alamo. It's like everything that ever happened in Texas history his family was a part of but he had that guy could i i sat down and just shot video of him telling stories about his lineage for 25 minutes and he just barely touched on each event like that guy could go for days it was it was incredible his history but so he was technically mexican but also spanish and Mm. had been in texas forever
1: so my uh on my my biological mom's side um i found census records all the way back to eighteen seventy in Herefano, Colorado, or, or near Uh don't go anywhere. Uh sorry about that. I was uh swatting a bug and hit the space bar. <laughs> but uh yeah, I found eight uh all the way back to eighteen seventy census and I think that was um So that had been one like the probably the third census in that part of the world. Uh, So it had been it had been New Mexico territory at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. And and so I'm sure they had been there for at least a century by that point, if they had made it all the way up to, you know, southern Colorado from from Mexico, Um, they'd, they'd been there for a hot minute. And uh so like they were they were there when it was Spain, probably Spain and then Mexico, and then you know, then finally USA. Right. They were probably there when it was nothing other than native yeah. land. It always it always cracks me up about us guys from, you know, west of Kansas that uh, you know, like when the the whole Civil War debate comes up, we're like, Man, we really didn't have a dog in that fight. <laughs> you know, every, every, everybody out here was uh was just mountain men and indians that was that was the only people out here there was maybe a handful of ranchers but not many
2: <laughs> i i just actually uh up in montana the other day my buddy from texas was up visiting and he called me a yankee and i was like man you know wyoming wasn't even a state when that stuff was going on <laughs>
1: like weird yeah
2: we ain't Yankees. I don't know. What, I don't know what
1: you'd call us, but yeah, not bad. yeah, It was. It's one of those. Like I, I saw a guy. Uh, it's been it's been forever ago, but he he had a Colorado native tattoo, and then he also had a Confederate flag tattoo that said "The South will rise again," and I'm just like. You're, you're a Colorado native, so but like, are you first generation Colorado native? Because like, Colorado, like th- there was one one battle out in Colorado during during the Civil War, or for the I guess the the Union troops came from Colorado, but it was it was down in New Mexico. There was there was only one real real battle that was west of Kansas in, during the Civil War. So like, it's hard to say Colorado was like a solid Union territory like now there there just wasn't anything there besides besides indians and a handful of mountain men
2: yeah nothing going people are just trying to survive out here they don't have time to fight a war
1: yeah yeah exactly there there wasn't any uh the, the, i don't even know if they were opposed to slavery but they just they didn't they couldn't have any slaves out there they you know that they, they they could barely fend for themselves let alone you know a human <laughs> right. that you considered property
2: that's right. Yeah, they're out there trapping and
1: hunting. I, mean, I guess the Indians they they uh, they they had a pretty thriving slave trade too. But it it's weird they were non discriminatory on their on their on their slavery. I think that's what gets them more of a pass than uh, you know than the the chattel slavery because they didn't single anybody out. Just if you were not in their tribe, you were fair game to be a slave.
2: Right, they were essentially like POWs, really
1: yeah essentially yeah and uh yeah they but they yeah you you were fair game to be a slave if you were not in in that particular tribe it seemed like there's you know or or allied tribes that but um yeah they didn't they didn't sell anybody out right yeah it that's was a very, very different deal yeah i uh so like when, when when you were over in Mongolia, did you ever hear about any of like like tribal conflict over there or did they just like they just kind of kept to themselves and then intermingled when they'd meet up at a trading post or something?
2: Yeah, more more or less. I'd, I never saw it. I did hear um so in in I guess so in far west Mongolia, um there's Uh, a group of people called the Kazakhs Kazakhs, and they, uh, they speak Kazakh and they're, they're from Kazakh. That's why it's called Kazakhstan, but I think they were a tribe before that. So they're a little bit different lineage and speak a different language than the majority of Mongolia. And I, I had heard that there was, you know, some kind of issues between the two. But I, I never saw it. I wasn't in that part of this uh, the country so I w- I did see a ton of it though in South Africa
1: Oh yeah I bet I bet because
2: down down in South Africa there's there's eleven official languages and there's more than that but that's the official languages and eat you know people kind of if you speak that language then you're associated with that. You know, group of people who so the biggest group uh, by far it was the Zulus, and like N- Nelson Mandela was a Zulu, mm. and uh, like a, a lot of famous people were Zulus, but they were part of a tribe. There was a guy named Shaka Zulu that I I believe he started up around the Congo, much further north uh, in Africa, oh, okay. and he put together this giant empire, pro- probably the biggest empire Africa's ever seen. And he went down and conquered all these, the southern part of Africa. And so all these people that are Zulu, um, they've been there for a very long time, but they're descendants of these Zulu warriors that came from much further north. Um, But there's, you know, there's five, six, seven other tribes, and there was all kinds of, uh, not so much warfare, but there definitely was like... um, you'd run across guys down there in South Africa that are probably the youngest ones I saw were in their early to mid thirties. And they would have different guys would have different scars on their cheeks, matching scars on each cheek. Uh And each, each tribe, um, had their, had their own marking. And so I guess like right before around apartheid happening down there in the nineties, there was a lot of this tribal, warfare where uh if you were walking down the road and got stopped at a roadblock by the rival tribe and you the only way they knew if you were telling the truth is if you had the right markings so a lot of Uh. older folks down there have these slight different shaped slices in their cheeks and that was you could tell by that that they were born into like a war-torn area that they had to do that to protect themselves
1: that's crazy um yeah that that's that's wild and uh you have have you talked to many of like the like special forces uh navy seal you know any anybody in like the special operations community uh not, ever, not a ton to... no i Don't... have i've been around
2: a few of them but we've never really talked very much
1: i've i've spoken you know at, at length with a handful of them and uh particularly the guys in in afghanistan and they it seems like all all those those tribes there in, in that particular part of the world uh they all kind of hate each other and they're all kind of in constant warfare with each other or there's a handful of, of like relatively peaceful tribes but like they're all on they're all just kind of like they don't really they have their code and like if you accept somebody as a as a guest you defend them with your life <laughs> but outside of that you know like they're kind of keep to themselves and one of the like the huge issues that we had when we when we went in there and rolled up the the taliban and kicked them out is yeah is is now now you have uh, a bunch of warring tribal leaders you know Mm -hmm. scrambling for power (laughs) and they were a lot of times they were calling in hits on somebody else for like generations old offenses you know that right and uh like they had no they had no connection with the Taliban they're just like their their great great grandfather got fucked over by their great great grandfather so now we're going to oh, call in a drone strike on you <laughs> right
2: that's like the uh in that movie where those it's about Afghanistan where there was that special forces unit that ended up using Horses to get yeah. around in the mountains. There, there's those two. They're I don't know warlords, I guess. Basically, they're both fighting the Taliban, but they're also not each other's friend. And so, yeah. I'm sure there was a ton of that happening over there. But no, I I, I would love to sit down and hear stories about some of that stuff because I I really haven't heard much about it.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's pretty neat. There's so I, I talked to. uh I've had Jeremiah Wilbur might, might have seen him on Instagram. He's Jeremiah Blackbeard. He's uh he's a, oh, um, yeah,
2: he's from uh, Montana or lives in Montana.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's got a hellacious mustache right now. Like he's, he's got a, <laughs> like he's got a, a mustache that would make Sam Elliott cry and then he could also murder <laughs> Sam Elliott very, <laughs> very quickly, you know. <laughs> but he, uh, he's a, he's a pretty intense guy. Like he, he's just you know he just has a has an intensity about him you know that's like it's not uncomfortable but I could see how people might be uncomfortable because he, he just you know what I mean when like he's just intense you know
2: yeah and, that's uh, exactly what I thought about the the couple of special forces guys I was around I was I couldn't
1: really tell if they
2: were you know it seems like they're always at a certain level and it can't yeah. be. Uh scary like he to was some
1: people he was joking around and stuff, but like still there's just like there's just an intensity about him. It's not like he was over the top or anything and just like it's it's more of a feeling than 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 uh like even a character uh trait you know it's just like it's just a feeling you get from being around him. like oh this this guy uh this guy's on it on it you know he's just he's on it all the time,
2: right, yeah.
1: Like, I'm sure he's I, just, like, con- <clears throat> constantly scanning, you know, and it's just been ingrained in him, you know, just always looking. At, at right. i li- I,
2: <clears throat> I listened to a podcast with uh, uh, Marcus Luttrell and, um, what's his, um, T- Kennedy? Um, um, what's his first name?
1: Oh, Tim Kennedy?
2: T- Tim Kennedy, yeah. I listened yeah. to them uh, on Marcus Luttrell's podcast, and... Uh, they were telling a story about something kind of weird happened in there in Marcus's neighborhood and his wife was home and I don't know, but listening to those two guys just like sort, and this is not overseas. This is at home protecting their own houses and just listen to them, have a conversation back and forth about that. They're, They're talking about stuff that is just mind blowing and they're just like, right, check. Yep. Got it. And they know, like they're just to a whole nother level intense, but they're like ready for anything. And I yeah. I thought that was so cool.
1: So on on that same uh same type of topic I was listening to uh I can't remember if it was on the, the old when uh when he was still on Drinking Bros podcast or if it was uh it was on the, the Black I think it had to have been on Drinking Bros podcast, but it was Evan Hafer, the CEO of Black Rifle. And uh, cool. I forget who all was on it, but it, they were they were talking about they they were in Salt Lake at their you know their like their main facility is is in, in Salt Lake or that's like the, their first big facility, and um, and it was late at night <laughs> working late, and then there was uh, like the camera and the alarms went off, and there was somebody like in the in the parking lot area or something, and next thing he knew, that poor bastard had like 15 handguns pointed at his face <laughs> and they were all by like, uh, by, by vet from all held by veterans who had varying levels of PTSD. You know, and it's like, it's like you, you picked the wrong place to try to break into tonight, buddy. Holy shit.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. No kidding. That is not a smart thing to do. <laughs>
1: yeah. That that's one place. Uh, like, don't, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend trying to rob any of those. Any of their locations. I got. <laughs>
2: no, I, I, you I shouldn't
1: I, even I, be snooping around, even if you ain't stealing. No, nothing. just buy your coffee and, and be gone. <laughs> 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 That's
2: right
0: yeah
1: it was, it was it was pretty it was pretty funny like he was the way he described it yeah there's just like 15 guys just screaming at this poor bastard and they, they've they <laughs> all got a glock trained on him <laughs> oh man that's
2: hardcore
1: <laughs> yeah it's uh it, it's it's funny like i can i those guys a lot uh except for the the whole getting shot at part like i haven't I haven't experienced that part yet but uh like a lot of a lot of cowboys the same way it's a lot of boredom for a lar- large part of the day and then just like but you've got to be ready to to like go at any like at any point something might some shit might happen and you got to be ready to go and then that's you just right. don't you don't quit till you're done like when when you're done you're done then there's not not really a quitting time
2: Right yep that's exactly right
1: so i don't know there's there's a there's a really similar mentality between between those two particular communi- communities that i've i've kind of found out over the years
2: yeah and i i there's a there was a well i know that buster Frierson has worked with uh quite a few veterans like helping them it's it's a it's a transition from coming back from war into ranching and yeah um there's another charity up at, uh I, I think it's a charity up or i know that uh that jeremiah blackbeard guys is a part of it and they they specifically place um veterans in in ranch jobs but <clears throat> i think they also put them through a camp and stuff oh and like, yeah kind of it's like cowboy camp you learn you know because yeah. some of these guys maybe have never even touched a horse so right. teach them how to saddle teach them you know what happens on a ranch ethics of what goes on out there and I, from my understanding a lot of them have just gone and thrived in the ranching world after that
1: yeah i've uh i know I, i'm i'm not a, aware of that particular program but uh, like i know there's there's a couple kind of charity organizations that do do something like that and then i know i know the one that that jeremiah is really involved with is is the same but it's with battered women and particularly the like the native women (laughs) and uh and so like they do a lot of like uh they do like a lot of search and rescue type stuff with uh like with native women particularly in in, like the trafficking side of things and um i say he's an intense guy but i understand why like he's uh (laughs) yeah like he's into some some hardcore shit, you know, and 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 if he's not doing that, then he's he's like training for some some crazy race, or he's he's out packing in the you know in the wilderness, and he just he he's a cool some bitch. I I really like him, and uh and yeah, they there's just there's a lot of cool stories, particularly from that, and I want to say like Army Special Forces in in particular because they're more than anybody else in that community. They're tasked with like raising up an indigenous fighting force. So like they're like, they're some of the most cultured people you'll ever meet in your life. Cause they have been (laughs) down in the shit with like wherever, whoever they're, whatever country they're in, like they're, they're in with like the poorest of the poor, um, right. Trying to raise up a fighting force, you know, and, uh, and, and a lot of times failing while they're doing so, like they're not set up to, to succeed a lot of times it seems like, but like they, they just have a different view of the world than just about anybody I know.
2: Yeah, I can imagine that like no. outside of so like
1: missionaries, stuff. maybe, you know, like missionaries have that kind of same, same type of worldview just from a little different, different lens, I guess.
2: Sure. Yeah.
1: And, uh, I don't know. it's, it's just, it's interesting. I haven't been out of the country hardly at all. Um, and when it was, it was just right over the border of Mexico, but even that's a whole different world. Like once you cross that border, it's a whole different world down there.
2: <laughs> it dang sure is. Yeah. You gotta, <laughs> I was, I was talking with a buddy of mine that he, uh, he's from West Texas where, um, you know, they're pretty, pretty close with Mexico and there's a lot of going back and forth across the border and. He was rodeoing down there and he had all these guys from, uh, up north that they'd come down there and travel with him and rodeo with him. And they're, they're big, tough dudes. And, you know, they like to have a little bar fight every now and then. And, uh, he was telling them, he said, look, you, you can't do that down here by the border. That's not how things work. That, that guy might only be five foot five, but we don't fist fight down here. He's gonna kill you if if you mess with him, and that and so that's
1: Mexico well, even he's more got a so. A lot that of way. cousins too. Yeah, but, like a lot of times they don't need that. They just got a knife and they know how to use it.
2: Yeah, they're they're not there to have a a, a sporting bar brawl. They're if yeah. you mess with them, they're gonna kill you. <laughs> it's, it's not the Aussies. That.
1: Those those Aussies just fucking love to fight like that. That's just a, <laughs> yeah. It's just a normal, normal-ass Tuesday night for them. It's like, hey, mate, you want to fight? All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. I've never seen so
2: many bar fist fights in my life as when I was down there in Australia.
1: They just, I and I've never been over there, but I've known, and, and kind of like the white South Africans are, are kind of the same way, too. Um, yeah. They, uh, the ones I've been around, they just, they genuinely like to get hit in the face and then hit somebody else in the face. You know, like they just genuinely <laughs> love it. And yeah I, I don't mind getting in a scrap if I have to, but I don't, I don't care for it. You know, <laughs> it's, it's not, not at the top of my, my list of things to do that particular day.
2: Right. But there's dang sure guys that that's their
1: idea of a fun night out. hmm. Yeah, and those are good guys to be friends with sometimes, but also also they they get you drug into some shit, too, that you don't want to be in. You're like, damn it, (laughs) my face is going to hurt tomorrow. (laughs) That's right. That's when when it is very beneficial to be a wrestler uh, or to have some sort of wrestling background at all, because... Just take it to the ground and just about nobody knows what to do. And then you can, then you've got it won. Yeah,
2: just end it. I had, I'd, I was not a great wrestler by any means, but I think that's one of the best foundations you could ever have for, just for like self-defense stuff. Yeah. Because when I was, uh, when I was in, uh, I was in Rome and I walked down to the end of this block where, I was standing in the middle of the block and there was a bunch of people I knew there, you know, I had just met them. It was a hostel, but we were all just hanging out outside and I ran out of cigarettes cause I was smoking at, at that time. And down at the end of the block was a, in Europe, they've got cigarette vending machines everywhere. So
1: How, I how's around. the chew situation over there? Probably none, huh? There's
2: none. Uh some of those Scandinavian countries will, uh like in Sweden, a lot of those guys chewed um like pouches yeah. or or like zins kind of yeah um, but that's that's why i I've never smoked other than when I go travel and run out of chew. I switch yeah. over to smoking until until I get back and then i I quit right away but so that was why I was smoking in in Italy, but uh I went down to the end of the block got my cigarettes. And then these two local guys that spoke a little bit of English came up to me and, and it was a kind of a dark corner where nobody could see us. And, uh, they're like, Oh, let me, they're trying to be friendly, but they're like, let me show you this trick. And the guy comes up and puts his arm around me. And I immediately didn't like that, but he was saying he was going to show me something. And as I took a step, I, he stuck his at one of his legs in between mine as I stepped forward uh-huh. and I just instantly went to wrestling. Cause I could tell, like, if he made one move, I was off balance. And so yeah. I, just, I immediately dropped my center of gravity and double leg that dude dumped him on the sidewalk and just ran back to the people that I knew. But I think that came from wrestling just immediately, you know, when you're off balance and you got to yeah. get lower
1: yeah, it it was funny. I <clears throat> when I was living up in Montana, <clears throat> we went to the bar in uh, Cleveland. I don't know if you know where that's at, but it's uh, uh it's, there's a a church and a bar and a post office and the bar and the post office are in the same building, but they just got a dividing wall. Um <laughs> and I'd almost gotten a fight in Haver uh the week weekend before, and I didn't try to. Like I I don't I general uh like there's only been a handful of times in my life where i've been itching for a fight and actually try to pick a fight and montana was not the place for that i like those 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 people up there kind of like to fight too it seems like um <laughs> but this little fucker um it, it was funny he uh he like kept trying to get me to fight and didn't want to And you know, finally he blew smoke in my face twice in a row after i told him not to and so then I pushed him and he was, he was real drunk. And so he like cartwheeled over the pool table, broke a window, but then he, he came up for style and like, he tried to take me down. So I just sprawled and then hit him in the gut a couple of times. And the, he was a little bitty fella. So I, I, I kind of felt bad. I was like, I, I could, I could really hurt this guy if I keep going. So I just, just kind of laid on him until he, you know, until he gave up. But yeah, same thing. It was just like any sort any sort of wrestling practice at all that you've had in your background, like it just drilled in your head to just sprawl, sprawl or, or, uh, yeah. Sprawl or the takedown either way. And, and that's, that's such a valuable thing in a, in a street fight. Cause like you get in close, they might hit you, but you take them down And most of the time. Those guys don't know what the fuck to do. And, uh, and yeah, then, then you've got it won. unless they got, unless they know jujitsu and then you're fucked. But (laughs)
2: <laughs> or unless they got a buddy there that'll kick you in the ribs.
1: Yeah, that, that too. Yeah. <laughs> that uh yeah, you kinda gotta gotta be prepared for all that shit in the street fight and Yeah, and then people don't fight fair if there is if there's not a referee around.
2: Right. Yeah. Then you're just defending yourself at that
1: point. Yeah. But yeah, I think wrestling's a good it's a good base, but also like if you if you're not very good at wrestling, you know how much it sucks when when you can't <laughs> when you can't control anything <laughs> that, that, that's being done to you. You're just like you're helpless. No matter how how hard you struggle, you still just you're just you're just getting wallered. You know that that that's such a miserable feeling. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, those guys in in Mongolia, their national sport is wrestling, and yeah. they take it. They take it super serious, but that, but what they call wrestling is, it's way more, it's not like American traditional wrestling. It's, it's, I think it's much closer to like judo because it has nothing, has nothing to do with being on the ground. It's, it's all about takedowns. And then once the person's on the ground, it's over. So it you, you, you learn how to, you learn the throws and like how to control somebody standing mm-hmm. up but um i think you can drop to a knee I don't, I don't even know if you can drop to a knee for a takedown on somebody else so it's like as soon as somebody anything other than their hand touches the ground it's over um but those guys man when i was over there every guy was ready to wrestle like at the drop of a hat and they that's were happy crazy. to. they just loved yeah. doing it
1: that's crazy um so I'm guessing risk control is a huge thing in in their style of wrestling.
2: Yeah, that that's pretty much it is is risk control or um they they would get you, you know, it would be like in judo, like if somebody gets a hold of your gi right up on your chest. Yeah. Um that that was another like hold that they used a lot where they'd get a hold of your shirt collar. But it's basically then, wrists or shirt collar, and if you lose yeah, either then, one of those, you're done.
1: Yeah, and so they, they get your collar, and then you just shift your hips, and you're thrown. Yeah,
2: and, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Huh. Interesting. That's, uh... I act like I know what I'm talking about. I've watched it a lot, but I also wasn't that good at wrestling, either. I, 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 was, <laughs> I was almost good enough to make it to state, but not quite.
2: Yeah, those were... Back in the day, I don't know, but it does. It danger mm-hmm. sticks with you. It sticks with you for mm-hmm. forever.
1: That muscle memory is ingrained. That uh, just the the drop in your hips, you know that like that's such a. That's why, like, you can never have a like a pure contest between MMA and boxing because there is no level change in in uh boxing. You know, like it's all it's all footwork and and fists but like exactly yeah like you know francis Nganu is gonna he's gonna box um tyson fury which I imagine tyson fury will box him up but i don't know you never know francis Nganu is a terrifying individual that guy is he has to cut weight to to hit the 265 weight limit right yeah he's a monster
2: that that did not uh I guess Conor McGregor kind of held his own but it didn't go well for him but so I was
0: oh, I was thinking, uh,
2: I just thought like who wants to see that again but if there was going to be a guy I think Ngannou is probably the the guy
1: I I think so cuz I mean he he's probably going to get outclassed but he can take you out with one punch that's that's there's no there's no joke in those hands like that that dude is frightening but if it was an MMA match, all he'd have to do is grab one wrist, and uh, and that that and then it's a whole another fight. <laughs> you know that oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a completely different fight. If he can change levels or grab your wrist and, and pull you around, like hey, your footwork only does so much until uh, until they're up close and they got hands on you. You know.
2: Yeah, that would be over in the first round if it was MMA.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, and unless just Fury was just good enough to 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 keep him you know out on the on the perimeter, but I don't I don't think so. Without some leg kicks or something. Ah. ganu has got a chin too, so he could he could eat a couple on the way in and, and then yeah. Then it then it's kinda over. Yeah,
2: I agree. But I'm excited to see that fight. That'll be that'll be cool.
1: I know. I really wish Nganu the ufc though i want to be him and Jones like that's that's the fight i want to see john jones made uh old cyril gone look like a bitch <laughs> i mean that that was over so fast i th- yeah
2: and i think it's so unfortunate now that like uh there's so much behind the scenes stuff going on and in, in the fight game now And mm-hmm. i mean it's it's part of making money and it's part of building something but like uh, you know the fact that those two guys can't fight because of a contract, I think is yeah. dumb.
1: I know, and especially, like, I get from the businessman perspective, you know, like, they've they've built the UFC into, uh, you know, bigger than boxing at this point. But the the fighters don't get paid anywhere near that. But they've been able to do that by, by keeping their fighter pay low. But I guess a guy like Ngannou, I mean, that that's a guy you want to watch fight over and over and over. Just pay the man you know don't yeah don't deprive us of john jones versus francis Nganu. like that that's the fight we want to see is john and, is jones the c true i think he is but i want to see that fight
2: yeah me too and and ganu also has one of the coolest stories you'll ever hear about a oh yeah an mma fighter like where he came from just that alone is people people automatically love him just because of what he had to go through to get to where he
1: is well he, and then once he got to the UFC he had same thing like he was a wrecking ball until he ran into Stipe, and Stipe starched him and then he was kind of on a side for a minute and then all of a sudden he he got back on it he he uh he quit fucking around and then uh and then when he got to, uh he went to fight Cyril Gone, then all of a sudden he like takes him down and and uh and grapples with him you're like oh fuck that that big bastard can now grapple too like, <laughs> yeah. that dude is that dude is truly terrifying you know like that's that's <laughs> the guy you don't ever want to meet in the back alley cuz he, he no. just literally tear you limb from limb <laughs> and <Absolutely>. skillfully <laughs> <laughs> yeah he would <laughs> yeah i i I, I want to see that fight though john jones and and uh and um and Francis, but I don't know if it'll ever happen. I guess it's uh, Jones and Stipe's coming up. That'll be a good fight. I want to see what Stipe can do, but, I mean, he's, uh, I guess he lost he to lost Ganu last. That was his last fight, wasn't it?
2: I think so. I don't follow that stuff
1: super close. I was, I've was i been following a little closer here the last couple of years, but I think, I think Stipe, yeah, because he beat Cormier for the, the heavyweight title. It was um he beat him the last two times. <clears throat> and then um and then I think he lost to Ngannou. And I don't think he's fought since then. So now he's he's going to fight John Jones for the for the title. And what a what a comeback fight that'd be. Yeah. Uh, if he if he manages to pull that off, that's like he I have always thought Stipe is an underrated guy he's he's not flashy so he doesn't get the the headlines but he was like he's a hell of a fighter and if he beats jones man that's uh that'll that'll throw the everything in in a mix you know i i don't see it happening but it it could
2: yeah i mean crazy stuff happens in the mma you never know
1: i know like it, yeah you just got to be off a little bit and somebody can capitalize on it and either choked out or, or you're getting your head wrapped around itself <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> oh well let's see we're we're at a we're at hour 10 um you got about another half hour in you yeah yep all right cool i'm gonna i I'm going go this is the restroom but uh tell everybody where they can they can find all your stuff find your book your 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 music videos everything and uh and we'll uh we'll come back for a for a little bonus episode on patreon
2: sure um you can find me uh lost cowboy dot com is my website my book's on there uh it's also you can just search the lost cowboy on on amazon um should pop right up as as of right now it's uh got the best seller tag so it's doing better than i ever imagined um
1: doesn't on really-
2: and then <clears throat> yeah it's uh, it's the best best seller in its category right now so uh um, oh, yeah that's awesome so that's- yeah it's on amazon's the quickest way to uh get it or um come out to a a book signing uh, I've been doing a bunch of them they're they're mostly for the rest of the summer it's going to be uh in wyoming so that's in and around wyoming so I'll be around there but uh and then as far as social media, um, the place I'm most active is Instagram, and you can find me, uh, The Lost Cowboy, there. Also, uh, if you're interested in any of the music stuff, that's called Dusty Vaquero on YouTube and Instagram, both. Um, so you can check that out. We, I put out a video every Wednesday uh, on Dusty Vaquero of a, a new musician. So, all of that stuff.
0: Your eyes up in the morning, beneath the stars so bright, pull your hat down, make sure your cinch is tight, horse is kind of snuffy, cold chill up your spine, it'll get your ass moving somewhere, burning burning daylight, burning daylight, burning daylight, In the saddle till the job's done right Burning Daylight Well life life is just together and you won't catch a mall. But when you ride through the gate, make sure you sit up tall. I can see the horizon, it's looking pretty bright We'll get your ass moving, sun, you're burning daylight Burning daylight Burning daylight In the south till the job's done right Daylight, morning day.